Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. My name is Clay Wright, and I'm going to be uh, your host this morning. And I am joined by the one and only Pastor Jason Russ. What's up, Clay? Hey, everybody. It's great to have you with us, Jason. Um, I've been I've been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, some some people might recognize your voice from the roundtables that we do mm-hmm. when uh, all the campus pastors get to preach, yeah. uh, which we may be doing more often coming up soon. But mm-hmm. maybe that's a little Easter egg. Uh, but uh, I recognize your voice from way back. I, even before I started working at Church of the Open Door, we got to serve together at a kids camp leading worship, which was really fun. And I, I got to uh, really be ministered uh, to by you and just your pastor heart for people uh, was a great blessing to me. And also just super fun to get to see you work with the kids. And I know that's mm-hmm. a, become a little bit of a motif in your ministry at the Lorraine campus as well. Yeah, absolutely. We do. I do stuff for the kids, whether it's at one on Wednesday nights, do the music with them or uh, occasionally at, you know, some of our high moments in the year, we'll do a song for the parents and that kind of thing on a Sunday morning. And so, yeah, I love, I love doing that. I did it at my last church and, but that's, I mean, that's the context that I remember you is as a kid, because uh, some of you may not know that Clay is the same age as my oldest, um, Lauren. And so I used to watch Clay bump around in the uh, preschool, kindergarten, first grade room. I think you guys tracked pretty much every one of those early classes you were together. And it was just a thrill to, to watch you guys play. And you were good buddies back then. Oh, yeah. Stayed, stayed in touch a little bit through the years, every, you know, every now and then. So, uh, so yeah, so you've always had a place, place, special place in my heart, which is why I said, dude, you know, you need to come with me to camp and let's, <laughs> let's hang out, you know, and we had a lot of fun. So. We did. I, yeah, I remember getting absolutely, there was a one activity we did where we just got absolutely covered in like <laughs> breakfast foods and syrup and yeah, mud. Or slipperoo, slipper. I, what was it called? Slipperoo. I don't know. It, yeah, I, it was ridiculous though. Uh, Th- those were good days, but yeah. um, the, because of that connection, I remember uh, one of the things you mentioned in your sermon was that being in the Elyria campus and being in that auditorium carries a lot of emotional baggage is too negative a word. Maybe I don't know, mm-hmm. but 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 it, it carries a, a lot of weight for you because you have so much history with that place. Right. And I was really resonating with that because there were days growing up for me that I spent more time in this building where we're recording right now than I did at my own home. So, yeah. I, well, and it was that thought that got me thinking more mm-hmm. about what was going through Jesus's mind. Okay, almost yeah. every time I do get up to preach at O'Leary campus, there's tons of ideas or things that go in my head. And I mean, I didn't go into this there, but this is a place for it. Like, yeah. I mean, I, literally came to Christ as a little boy in that auditorium, you know, mm-hmm. at yeah. seven years old. I I grew up and I watched missionaries sent from that, that room. I I graduated from high school in that room. Yep. Um, I 
I got married the first time in that room. I mm. watched my three children get dedicated to the Lord in that room, my three oldest. Um, and, uh, you know, came back and I celebrated a 10 year anniversary of Pastor Jim and, and Andrea being here. And I was able to surprise them for that anniversary 10 years ago. Um, and, you know, then, of course, I returned to that room and here I am, <laughs> you know, as a pastor again. Yeah. Uh, so many memories. And that it was those thoughts that drew me to think like, man, Jesus on top of the temple. What kind of memories did he have from from 30 back to 12 years old, even back mm-hmm. further than that? I mean, all the the thoughts and memories as as the God human Jesus. Right. But then even before that, I mean, time immortal, the heart of the father, son and the spirit was with that temple and mm-hmm. in that temple. Yeah. And I just wonder what you know, that's what got me thinking about what was going through Jesus's mind, because that was a very special place for him. Yeah, that's so. It's, what you just said is reminding me of of uh, themes that come up in the book in a book that I've mentioned a few times as we've been in this series on the podcast. Um, the book, uh, the Divine Romance, by I think the t- the author is Gene Edwards, but mm-hmm. it, it's it it depicts Jesus. It's like a it's like a play. So think of like the Chosen, gotcha. but written and also a little bit more artsy maybe Mm -hmm. um a little bit more high drama and (laughs) and jesus is having all these echoes from his eternal like from from eternity past like these echoes these moments where he remembers so for instance when he's in the temptation when he's uh, being tempted in the wilderness he has these echoes and he thinks okay so yeah this was the place that Israel wandered. This was the, this was the wilderness where Israel was tempted. This is okay. So this is what they felt. This is what it felt like to be so hungry. This Mm. is what it felt like to be so thirsty Mm. that they would cry out against me, that they would wander from me. Mm -hmm. So just like you're saying, he's yeah, it's so freighted with, um, this longing to be with people. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and, and speaking of books, I'll share with you another book that kind of influenced some of my uh, thoughts on this, too, sure. was uh, Philip Yancey's The Jesus I Never Knew. Okay. And if you've never read that, any of you listeners out there, I highly, highly recommend it. The re- reason I picked it up weeks ago was the, the gent that came and did our um, Seder service, mm. um, Justin, right? Yeah, yeah, and, Justin. Uh, he and I had lunch when he was here, and uh, he, he said that was the second... That was the number two book on Jesus that he'd ever read. Uh, number one was John Eldridge's book called um, the uh, the uh, what was it? Uh, Beautiful Renegade, I think. I'm not sure. I, then, I only know and, Wild at Heart. Yep. And then two, yeah. Well, she, that was number one for him. But the second one was uh, the Jesus I Never Knew, and that was that one when I could I could find. So I grabbed it and I listened to it leading up to this and the temptation of Christ in there that he speaks of was really inspiring to me to get mm. kind of into the heart and mind of Jesus. Um, it's, it's so good. Yeah. So I highly recommend that book as a read for anybody. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course we're here to, to have a conversation, but, mm-hmm. um, like you're saying, you know, we're here to, uh, pick up some pieces from the sermon and, and see what it is that the Lord might, might have for us to talk about and learn, uh, more deeply from it. And so we're, uh, continuing our, our study of the book of Luke. We're in Luke chapter four for anybody who's maybe jumping in after an absence. (laughs) And it's exciting to, to come to this moment because we're coming to the end of Jesus's 
wilderness temptations. Uh, I loved how you were giving voice to a lot of these fight themes in your sermon. So you were talking about how this is the third round of three and, you know, Jesus coming to the end of the fight and all the, all these sorts of motifs. Mm -hmm. Um, I I found that language really fun and helpful uh, just as we're thinking about coming to the end of the series. Yeah. Well, boxing and wrestling are both in three rounds. So it did strike me. I'm like, wait a minute, this is three temptations. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of a pretty good analogy, you know, that, yeah. yeah. And, and even the, uh, your, your opening illustration from Rocky about how Jesus, you know, tired as he was hungry and thirsty as he was in a moment of, um, in some sense, vulnerability as he was, He's victorious and he's raising his arms high in this in this moment of wilderness temptation. I thought that was that was awesome as well. Yeah, just to try and make the tie between and that's what Yancey did in his book was to make that tie between uh, what's happening in this desert. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing that would be happening in the Garden of Gethsemane three years later and leading right up to then the cross, which is the climax. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, him, his resurrection, the ultimate climax. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's what really got me thinking was just tying those together. I al- almost always saw the desert temptation all by itself. Like it was just this own little thing. It was getting Jesus ready for what was coming. Mm-hmm. But to really see it as, as part of the whole story, I think, was really, really powerful for me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and it maybe because of that, um, one thing I noticed that I wanted to ask you about is is how much you talked about the enemy um, or Satan or the, or the devil. I, I, for some, I don't know why I like to call him the enemy. Um, I just find that the, so I'll refer to the enemy, but we can use the terms interchangeably. I mm-hmm. guess there's my little parenthetical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, I noticed you talked about it, it, it. Like we, we've been talking about the enemy a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but I feel like you, you gave so much good insight into this relationship and even talking about the backstory. What, what, what was the reason behind that? Did it just kind of fall naturally out of your study or, you know, where did, where did all that um, conversation or, or, or language about the enemy come from for you? Um, I think some of it was just soaking in um, the whole story Yeah, that, you know, he was very present um, in these three temptations. But then I think what influenced a lot too, for me was, was Mark's account of the, okay. And it's one, one sentence. Mark talks about the temptation <laughs> in one sentence and simply says after the, after the, um, baptism, he heads to the wilderness where, th- where for 40 days he was tempted. And that one struck me. And I was like, wait a minute, is it possible that Jesus you know, that, that Luke and, and, and Matthew were just sharing with us the, the three top temptations that were thrown at Jesus. And, and is it possible that for the entire 40 days, Jesus was having to deal with Satan's Satan in his ear? Mm. And it's very possible because Mark makes it very, he doesn't mince words. He just says he was tempted for 40 days. Yeah. And so I think that ever, pre- and, and then, and then again, um, you know, reading Philip Yancey, uh, his account of, of that, that chapter just influenced the, the thought in my mind that, that those temptations didn't stop. And, and you see it, shades of those three temptations in moments in Jesus's life going yeah. forward. And that's what got me thinking about the whole, like, wow, what, 
where, how is that true in my life? You know and I mean, mm. and so he's, he's very present in our lives. And, and again, it makes me think of, I didn't share this in the sermon, but that's what this is for the cutting room floor. I mean, Paul says <laughs> we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, yeah. but against principalities and powers. And, and you can read that and think to yourself, Oh, Paul, he just, you know, he, he just chewed down too many poppy seeds or something. I don't know, but, but I, he, he you know, it's true though. I yeah, mean, we yeah. do, he, he, he's absolutely right. We live, um, in a physical reality that we mm. put so much weight on, but truly the true reality is in the heavenlies and what's happening around us. And I feel like more and more God's been showing me that, that I need to pay attention to that realm more than I do the, the material. Um, mm. and, and that's where prayer comes in. That's where the word comes in. That's where seeking God in every moment and surrender comes in. And, and, uh, and so that's where God's been. I think that's where some of that's from. And just, just because the whole series has been, you can't get away from Satan. He's, he's yeah. right there with Jesus the whole time through this whole, mm-hmm. whole passage. So how can we not deal with the fact of his presence and like, okay, how can we not deal with that presence in our life? Yeah. I almost feel like you might equate this to a movie where the the villain is with the protagonist for an uncomfortably long period of time or right. and you're just like oh man when is this scene going to be over right. yeah uh and i i feel like that that same thing can be true in our lives where we're feeling like man when will this temptation let up yeah um well and that's where the backstory came in too is because i began to think jesus and satan they've known each other a long time mm-hmm. you know i mean there's there's a lot that happened before this moment. Yeah. And so just for me, the way my mind works, just trying to put myself in Jesus's sandals. Sure. And to say what, what was going through his mind when Satan showed up? He's like, Oh, of course that guy, Yeah. you know, and that, that would again, uh, bring back many memories, you know? And so like, what, what are those memories? What kind of relationship did they have? And certainly other faiths and some other sects of, of, uh, of our, of our faith, take a different view of Satan. Some people think that Satan was Jesus's brother. And some people think that Satan was, you know, is also a God. And you have all these false mm-hmm. teachings yeah. about Satan, which I felt like we really hadn't mentioned that yet. And I wanted to make it very clear that they do have a backstory, but Jesus is the very one that created Satan. Yeah. I mean, I, he, oh, man. And, and, and yet here he is, the created one trying to get the uncreated one mm-hmm. to, to do his bidding. I mean, and how audacious is that? Right. And, and then, so yeah, that's wow. important. Their backstory is, is almost as important as what's happening in the moment. That's so good because in that, in that light, Satan is doing in this moment, the exact same thing he was trying to do in Isaiah 14. Mm-hmm. He's, he's trying to get a leg up on God. Mm-hmm. He's trying to become, you know, he's trying to set himself up on equal footing with God. More than that, he's trying to replace God. Yeah. He is trying to replace the relationship that Jesus has with the Father mm-hmm. with himself. And and that was a moment in the sermon that came out of nowhere for me. Wow. I, it was in the moment where I was saying, when Jesus talked about Satan, get behind me, mm-hmm. that is very descriptive language of you are in my way, not just between me and the cross, but you are in the way of me seeing the Father. I follow the Father. I don't follow you. Yeah. Get behind me. Wow. And you need to be rebuked to follow the Father from, you know, I rebuke you, Satan, for what you've done all the way back at the beginning. 
you need to follow the Father and not your own desires and yeah. your own pride. And so, of course, um, like you've said, you know, we believe that Satan is a created being. He mm-hmm. was one of the archangels. He fell from heaven, which you talked about in your sermon. Yeah. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning, which Elevation has a song in which that's the opening line right now. Oh, cool. It's yeah. Anyway, it's, I think this song is called my testimony. I've been, th- I've been thinking about that song during this year. There, there have been a lot of songs I thought about during the series actually, but so, so um, yeah, Satan and Jesus are not equals. And, and I, this is, this is when we, when we teach theology proper or when we teach uh, any, anytime we're teaching about Satan, we really need to hammer this point home. It's not a battle of God against Satan. The, 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 you know, God is in a completely different universe from Satan right. when it comes to authority and power. Right. Jesus is not the co-equal with Satan. The only analog in scripture with, to Satan is, is Michael, the archangel who is powerful. Like that, that's the level of power that Satan would, would have and God and, and Jesus and, and the Holy spirit are way, way above. Right. Um, I think it's only in our own hearts and minds that we give Satan some status. He doesn't belong. Oh yeah. But we also don't want to underestimate him totally and just dismiss him and think like he's nothing to be, worried about you know i mean we've got to have a proper view and and all of it comes back to what's our view of god Mm -hmm. you know and and when we understand god properly then we can understand in which context to view satan yeah yeah that that was one of my I, i mentioned that you talked about satan a lot but really what I loved about it is how you write. I felt like you right sized Satan Mm -hmm. clearly talking about how Jesus is conquering him clearly demonstrating how Jesus says to his disciples later on in the gospels, um, you know, you, you'll be able to trample on snakes and it was, it's scorpion snakes and scorpions, scorpions and yes, scorpions and snakes. Okay. Yeah. Which is a, which is an image of, of demons and the enemy. Um, and uh, I I couldn't help but think about when you were talking about in the in the beginning of your sermon, all Satan doesn't call Jesus by name because he knows who he is, right? There, there's a I think there's a sense in which even though he's deluded, even though he's uh, self deceived, mm-hmm. that he he recognizes that there's power in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That the other the other like lesser demons, you were like they didn't get the memo. Uh, about that and they're calling jesus the son of god left and right and i just imagined um maybe we've not mentioned the screw tape letters on the podcast by c.s lewis but mm-hmm. it's this dialogue between a, a greater demon and a lesser demon and i imagine this letter being written from screw tape to his nephew where mm-hmm. he's totally reprimanding him for using the name the son of god talking to jesus it's like how could you you didn't read the handbook like don't you know that <laughs> lucifer said if you are if you are you yeah. idiot you don't say you are yeah. <laughs> and i think yeah i i think that's so good for us and yet i one of the life group questions i wrote uh was out of isaiah 14 because um very unfortunately i I mean when it comes to we we read about satan sort of in his pride trying to step up trying to take the place of god in the universe and we can reprimand that we can say like oh man that's ridiculous why how doesn't he know you know how, how how crazy can you be um and yet how often do we try to play the same game in the universe of our life mm-hmm. uh, where we're trying to usurp authority. Um, so I, I think that, you know, we're, we're created beings just like Satan is. We're, we're different kinds of beings. You know, we're men and women. Satan's not. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we need to, I don't know. I, it was, it was a good pause for me to think, wow, am, am I repeating this kind of behavior in my own heart that Satan's practicing? Absolutely. Well, it's why Jesus calls out the Pharisees at one point and says to them, um, and he draws them into this um, conclusion uh, kind of subtly and basically says, you're following your father's footsteps. You're following your father's and the, and the, and the, and the Pharisees are like thinking Abraham, thinking Abraham. They're like, well, what are you talking about our father? And he's like, you're following your father's Satan's mm-hmm. um, playbook, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and, and, and they're shocked and offended when Jesus says that. But that's <laughs> exactly what we can get drawn into yeah. is that we, again, you know, beware if you think the darkness inside of you is light. And yet how deep is that darkness? Jesus said. We got to be careful who we're following. There's only two options. Our father is either God or father is Satan. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yeah. You know, in this world, according to Jesus. Right. Yeah. And so um, in this temptation that you're talking about, we haven't talked specifically about the temptation yet. Excuse me, which hopefully if you're listening to the podcast, you've already heard the sermon. So this is like a commentary on it, but uh, or, or maybe a deeper conversation into it. But the temptation is that Satan um, uh, takes Jesus to the high place of, of the temple and they look out over Jerusalem and he says, you know, why don't you jump, jump, cast yourself down. And uh, and he quotes scripture to Jesus and he says, you know, isn't it written that he will he will command his angels concerning you and you won't strike your foot against the stone. So just like you impact in your sermon, Satan's saying you don't have to go through all this pain and suffering. You don't have to live this long life of humiliation to get people to recognize that you're Messiah. You could just do it right now. Just jump off this building. God will save you because he needs you. And if he's really there, then you'll be fine. And people will look at you. People will praise you. No need for that silly, you know, crucifixion business. And so, um, there's, there's a lot of really cool things to draw out in that. Um, one of which is the fact that Satan for the first time in the temptations is quoting scripture, right? Which you drew out. Yeah. I kind of wonder is, you know, is he borrowing a a cue from Jesus? Like mm -hmm. was Jesus influencing him in a sense to say, okay, I'm not getting anywhere with this guy. Temptation one, temptation two. All right. I'm noticing that he's quoting scripture right back at me. So I can, I can do that and I'll, I'll use scripture <laughs> yeah. and see if I can entice him by using the word of God. I can tell he has a heart for the word of God. So let me use the word of God to get him right. to entice him yeah. against, uh, against God. Isn't that just, ah, man, that's just, that's just like, it's hard. It's slippery. Well, and you, it almost, it almost makes you think about, because of course, like we need to be self-reflective as church leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're in the book of James and in, in a, in pastor's class, which we were in. And I am, I'm pretty sure it's in the book of James. It says, uh, not many of you should become teachers because yeah. you know, it, it's, it's all this cautionary language about those of us who traffic in the word of God and ministering right. it. Um, because we know that church history is riddled with men and women, um, but it seems like it's mostly men who were, were teaching the Bible on one day and then abusing their power mm-hmm. the next. Um, and so we, you know, it's, it's this hard reality that 
you can quote scripture, you can know scripture and yet not, not be transformed by it. You know, it's, it's like this really troubling reality, mm-hmm. um, that I think we, I think we deal with as believers. It's, it's that form of godliness, but denying its power. Yes. That, that scripture wow, yeah. talks about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I, and I think that Satan's one of his favorite things to do. I mean, whole movements, whole, whole, uh, sects and, and, um, what's the word for it? Um, cults, cults have, mm-hmm. have been born out of people taking a section or a verse or something like that and just running with it yeah. and not, not, uh, properly, um, understanding it in its context or in the, in the whole revelation of the Bible and, and many, many horrible things have happened yeah. uh, because of that. But Satan's Satan loves to do that. Yeah. It, it's interesting because we can even look at Psalm 91, which Satan is quoting yeah. and we can think, I, you know, say was Satan, right? You know, is he, is he quoting the Bible? Well, and I, I haven't studied it a ton. Maybe you can shed some light on that. It it almost sounds like he's he's kind of spot on. Well, it's a direct <laughs> you know? quote. It, yeah, it really is. Like, right. No, it, he. Yeah, of course he he knows the scriptures, so, but like, yeah, you know, is is he right in applying it? You know, is, is he? It's the application that was wrong. Okay, because to understand the the application of Psalm ninety one, you have to actually read the whole thing. Yeah, and and so <clears throat> so Jesus. Uh, and that's why I made such a big deal about going back to Psalm 91 to mm-hmm. show you how Jesus was in Psalm 91. Right. Because he is the one that depends on the Lord completely. He is the one that that is sheltered and, and covered by the mm-hmm. wings of the, of the Most High, right? And because of that, he is the one that can, can receive those promises of protection and being lifted up by angels. Yeah. But, but in the way that God will do it in his timing. Sure. Not in the way that Satan is trying to force God right. to make it happen. Right. And that's exactly, that's the tension that, that we have is we want to try and make things happen and force things to happen. And that's, that's the heart of Satan right there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like the old, you, you gotta, if you're going to fight the battle, well, you know, it's like the art of war. You got to know your enemy, you mm-hmm. know? And, yeah. and so this, a lot of, a lot of the temptations is a real revelation of understanding how Satan works. Yeah. And so we've got, if we're going to be wise, we've got to know our enemy in a, in a healthy way. And Jesus, Jesus knew, knew his enemy mm-hmm. and he knew he was ready for the, the wielding of scripture, he was probably kind of like giving him an attaboy in a, in a way like, Hey, that's a good, good quote. But you know what? You know, don't test the Lord, your God, <laughs> but you know, um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's stunning to me the many ways that Satan will try to get at us. And mm. it's, it's in, 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 but comforting at the same time to know that he tried everything. He threw everything at Jesus, the kitchen sink and all. And, and to know that Jesus withstood that, man, that's what elevated this sermon for me was just like the importance of us to watch how Jesus does it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. And so then b- before we move on, I, I want to ask, um, is how, how can we, um, h- how can we know scripture in a way that's different than how Satan knows scripture. Mm. How can we know scripture in a way that's not just a form of godliness, mm. but is receiving its power rather than denying it, which, which is what Satan is doing. He's trying to 
yeah, twist scripture into his own, um, toward his own benefit. Um, and, and I think, like you said, I think we're in danger of the same kind of stuff. So how, how can we, you know, did you, any, any thoughts on that? How can we, how can we know the scriptures or how can we engage with the Bible? I think one of the things that I would make a distinction is just comparing, comparing Jesus to Satan really helps us there. Cause what mm. you see in, in Satan's approach to scripture, it's very academic, right? Where, um, he can quote many passages and the Bible to him is simply another great book of the past. And so I can know it. I can memorize it. I can use it for my purposes. Yeah. And that's the key. My purposes. So it was academic for him. And mm. So beware of the Bible becoming just an academic effort for you. Interesting. Yeah. Um, versus Jesus, where what you see is that the Bible was tra- the, the scriptures were transformative. And so it, it wasn't just something that Jesus read and knew in the head. He sat and allowed that to transform his heart. Mm. And so that's part of why he was even in the desert for 40 days was to allow the word of God that he'd grown up with, grown up around, gone as yeah. his habit was to, to the synagogue and let that word transform his heart. Yeah. And so beware of wow. it just being an academic pursuit, but mm. may it be something that you seek the Holy Spirit, depend on him, transform me by this word, Lord, which is so, so important. That's a big difference yeah. between Satan and Jesus. It's almost like Satan is reading it like a like a law textbook, and mm-hmm. he's just trying to find the right. He was giving right a TED wording. talk, man. It was a TED talk. He was like doing yeah. the whole TED talk thing, using quoting this, quoting that, and trying to see if Jesus would bite, man. And, and right, but and and from what we know about Jesus, he's quoting out of Deuteronomy six, mm-hmm. uh, and he's. I think it's Deuteronomy six, yeah, or maybe it's Deuteronomy eight. I can't remember, but it's six, yeah, I think he, he's quoting out of this story. So G, you know, Satan's reading it like a law book where he can just find this one section that says what he wants it to say and use it as an accuser, mm-hmm. whereas Jesus is reading it as a story and he's getting to know God's heart and His plan. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, that's good. I yeah, I I I hope. I hope it's true of me that I'm not trying to use the scriptures to excuse myself or to mm-hmm. uh, gain something, but that I'm, I'm, I, it's it's changing my heart. Well, I think another big distinction is that Satan's motives, mm. his motives behind using that verse, was to force God's hand. Yeah, was to make God do something for His purposes. Whereas Jesus was receiving the scripture and meditating on it. And using it in a way to depend on, yeah. to fall upon the, in, into the hands of God. Yeah. Totally different mindset. You know? Yeah. So. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And and then uh, w- one other thing I wanted to uh, point out that you mentioned earlier um, is, is how Jesus recognizes Satan's voice later on after these temptations. And that this is not the end of the temptations for Jesus. This is one of your application points. And so, um, in, in, uh, Matthew 16, when he says to Peter, get behind me, mm-hmm. um, he's, he's seeing that same, that same voice, uh, playing out. And so, um, I, I wanted to ask just as a practical point, how can we recognize in our own life, the voice of the enemy or, or those temptations? Is it just as simple as, um, you know, sort of sort of recognizing his schemes and then keeping an eye out for them or how how have you found ways to to recognize that in your own life 
Um, well, first of all, I'll just say that when when we are disconnected from the Word of God, not hearing, not sitting under biblical preaching and mm-hmm. teaching, not pursuing the Scripture at all in our daily life, when we're not really praying except for maybe at our meals, then all our thoughts in our in our mind, everything in our experience just becomes white noise. Mm-hmm. And white noise is Satan's playground. And he he will speak, he will whisper, he will give us thoughts. And not to say that the Spirit of God won't be involved in our world, because he will speak into that. But I'm telling you, it increases the amount of opportunity for him to speak into our hearts. Mm. But if we want to become more aware of his speaking... And we then we dig into the word yeah. daily. We we begin to pray. We seek the Lord and sit under good preaching and teaching of biblical um, uh, biblical preachers. And then what happens is that, as a matter of fact, we begin to see the contrast. The white yeah. noise dissipates, and all of a sudden, I start to see <laughs> things as black and white. Right. And I I can decipher, and it goes right back to what Jesus said: "I am the good shepherd." Hmm. You know, and my sheep know my voice. Well, how are we going to know the voice of Jesus if we don't? Read what he said and yeah, hear what, hear yeah. from his voice and look at his example. And as Jesus himself said, he's throughout scripture. So we look for Jesus from Genesis to Revelation and we can feed off of that. And the more we get to know Jesus, mm. the more we get to know our shepherd's voice, the the greater, it, the easier it is to know when the voice of Satan. But, the, but this, the, the thing that should make us tremble a little bit is the fact that we don't realize how much we do listen to the enemy's voice. And his minions, you know, mm. and we, that should keep us watchful, keep us on our guard because it, he's just all around. And why did Jesus talk to his disciples so much all the way up to the, the garden? Be watchful and pray that you don't fall into temptation. You know, he said that because, I mean, it is imperative that we are like those watchmen. We are watching all the time because yeah. his voice is always there. So so Jesus modeled it for us, staying tight to the Father, starting staying in that relationship helps us to see the the voices in their proper light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, as a final note, um, and then we'll wrap up here pretty shortly, but I know that uh, you one of your application points under uh, uh, things that we can learn from being ringside, which is, I thought was such a good, such good language. Uh, we're getting this front row seat into this intimate moment that Jesus is having. Um, one of the lessons is that temptation will continue and that just like we, we just talked about, it's going to continue for, for Jesus throughout his life. Mm-hmm. And yet um, sort of the counterpoint to that you also made in the sermon, which is that temptation has an end and that, you know, Satan's trying to get Jesus to call down these angels to protect him and, and help him out. When in reality, the angels were right there waiting for the temptations to be over. Right. And, and yet, um, very often we're tempted to, you know, we, we hit the, we, we short circuit. That's some language that Charlie used, but Mm -hmm. you know, we, we bail out, early on in temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't, we don't recognize that God knows exactly what we need. He's waiting in the wings, mm-hmm. uh, all, all these sorts of things. Um, and so as we kind of move, move forward from the temptations of Jesus, and we're going to look in, 
uh, verse 14 next week, still in the fighting for your life series, but, but we'll be, um, just in verse 14. Uh, so, so as we move past the temptations of Jesus, uh, how, how can we be encouraged in our own life? You know, as you were, as you were preaching this sermon and, and, and studying for the sermon and thinking about the folks that you're ministering to. Temptation is going to continue in our lives, but temptation also has an end. So how, what's your hope for us in these, with these ringside lessons? What's your hope? And what, what, what are you, what are you praying to, to be developed and, and to, to, to happen in the hearts and minds of, of the folks at church, of the open door? I think, um, in, in my journey with Christ, there's been many moments where I'm kind of like always waiting for the next shoe to drop in my walk with Christ. It's like, things are good right now, but then what's coming next? It's going to go wrong. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then I'll have a crisis of faith and then I'm going to have to get through that. And then, you know, and there was almost this in, in my earlier days, like this fear of when temptation or trials were going to come. <clears throat> and I think what I would, where God's been bringing me in the journey and I want to, and I see it in this story <clears throat> is to not see not to face what's coming with fear, anything that's coming with fear, mm. but to have a settled confidence that God's with me. And that's that attentiveness to the heavenlies, to the kingdom of God. And to say, just as much as Satan's presence is is there and he's trying to whisper in my ear, even more so, attentiveness to the fact that the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are actively working in my life, yeah. which you see throughout the life of Jesus. You know, the, the Holy Spirit and the Father were, were not absent in the desert. Mm. They went with Jesus from the Jordan into the desert. They were not absent at the garden when Jesus was heading to the cross, you know, and they, they were involved in every bit of his life. And so for us to be attentive to the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in our lives. Jesus literally said what to his disciples? Listen, my Father and I are going to come, guys. This is the night before he goes to the cross and make our home in you. <laughs> you know, so for us to get attentive to that reality so that basically it doesn't matter what I face. You know, I think of Ruth Heggie when I was a second grade student here, third grade student here at Open Door Christian School. Ruth Heggie was an old lady. Um, he, she'd been on the mission field. She told stories about her and her friend who were missionaries to these this Indian tribe getting caught in the middle of a of an Indian uh, of two neighboring tribes fighting. And they and she got a spear in her, her shoulder. It went down, oh played dead in order to, wow. to, to survive. And and uh, this woman was facing cancer. She was dying of cancer. And yet there she she was talking to all of us little guys in, in chapel service about her love for the Lord and, it, and settled peace, didn't have any fear. She was not seeking treatment because it was incurable, but I'm going to see my Jesus. And I'll never forget that. And here I am, you know, I'm 52 years old almost, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I want that kind of settled attitude about what's coming around the corner, whether it's, you know, I'm going to get a flat tire or heaven forbid, I would lose a loved one. You know what I mean? I mean, it no matter what I face, I want to have that settled confidence that Jesus does mm. that no matter how difficult it may be, I'm going to just trust in the Lord. And I, cause I'm so attuned to the voice of my, my Lord that I know the difference and yeah. I can, I can pursue him in the power and the, in, of, of the spirit. So, so I think for people just to, 
tap into what the Father, Son, and Spirit are doing in our lives. Absolutely. And, 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 the, and, the, and the amazing advantage yeah. we have because of the enemies going to throw rocks at us, but they're just rocks. You know, <laughs> and um, yeah. so, I mean, I, I guess they are fiery darts. Right, I'll, right. I'll, we'll help them to that language. Sure. But, but but if we're armored up and like Psalm 91 talked about, you know, he was armored up by the promises of God. Mm-hmm. And I love that yeah. picture that Paul kind of pulls from in Ephesians. Yeah. Um, is that Ephesians five? I think it's, Ephesians where he six. six. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The armor of God. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Me. May that be true of us, um, both you and I, but also all, all the folks that we minister to at Open Door and anybody listening. Um, and I'll give a closing thought sure. after this. Maybe you can put it in the podcast at the bottom, but just a link to Zach Williams' song, Under My Feet, which really stuck in my heart and mind after I heard it. I've, I've heard it before, but but he wants to remind us of what we were right mm. and uh and maybe in a little way that's what satan was trying to do remind him of who he was you just left the throne and you came down man what are you <laughs> doing you know you need to take back your throne yeah um and and satan loves to do this to us but i'll just read a little bit of the lyrics you might not recognize me now uh those chains that once surrounded me i lay them on the ground you can't keep di- digging up my past you may have had a laugh or two but you won't get the last you might not recognize me now and maybe i was blind but now i see maybe i was bound but now i'm free maybe you need reminding that you're under my feet and maybe you're a lie that i don't need maybe you should listen when i speak maybe you need reminding you're under my feet and so that's that's a a song to listen to in reflection on this um that we kind of understand Satan in his place but truly more importantly we put God in his place and what he's done for us. Yeah. 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 Well yeah, I think that's a great place to wrap up Jason. Thanks so much for being here and for My sharing honor. with us. Um any any like really quick shout outs you want to make to the Lorraine campus anybody listening from there? Oh man, I, I could, this could take a while, but I, I love my people at Lorraine and, um, and I just, I appreciate what God is doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, specifically just, I love my team. Shout out to Joe and Stephanie and Tony for awesome the amazing job they do uh, with our people and shout out to, um, you know, people like Jill Beal and, and, uh, Wilson Pabone and Ruthie yeah. Harrington who bring it every Sunday and they're, they're, they're yelling and howling, hooping and, <laughs> and, and crying out to God in worship. And Absolutely. I just, I love the life, the liveliness, uh, of people ready to engage the yeah. battle when we start song number one, you know, or really right when people get in the door, the, mm-hmm. the love and the family that's felt there. So praise God for, yeah. for what we're doing, what we're seeing God do. Absolutely. And not just physically, but in the heavenlies every time yeah. we gather at Lorraine. So pretty well, grateful. I know I get the privilege of worshiping with you guys in Lorraine every now and again. And if, if you've never had that, uh, had that opportunity, I encourage you to take it. Uh, one, two, one, one tower Boulevard, right? Is that the one, one, two, one, one, yeah. one, two, one. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. One, tower one, Boulevard. It's not too far from, from the campus, yeah. but it's a, it's a great, it's a great time. And, and, and then if you, uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, Oh man, I had a question that I wanted them to address and they missed out on it. Um, 
Well, you're right. We may have. And I would ask you to send that question to us. Help us out. Uh, You can email your questions about the sermon or about the text to podcast at opendoor.tv. And we would love to uh, bring you into this conversation in increasing ways. And then, of course, if you are uh, enjoying what we have going on here at the cutting room floor, would you would you help us out and help other people engage with this conversation by giving us a five star review and leaving us a, a little um, you can leave us a little review on the podcast, just uh, commenting what you what you find helpful, what you're appreciating. It really helps us to know that um, that the Lord is ministering to to folks through this. And, and we we believe that he is. But we would love to hear from you as well. So. Uh, without further ado, we'll join you back again next week for Luke 4.14 and the last sermon in the Fighting for Your Life series. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast at opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.